0: Today's episode of the GoldCast is sponsored by the final round of our Top 11 tournament. This is it. This is everybody. This is our action villains list versus our sci-fi fantasy versus our superhero list versus our horror villains list. And we are now going to determine for each of us, for Ray, Candlestick Will, and myself, who are the Top 11 movie villains of all time. You guys have been patiently waiting. Here it is, the final battle royale. But before we get started, Raymond, why don't you let them know where can they find us?
1: You can follow us on Twitter at the underscore or yeah, the underscore goldcast. And you can also subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify every single platform that a podcast exists we are syndicated to the entire year five plus years worth of content is available across the interweb so feel free to subscribe on whatever your preferred platform is and i know that those of you who like to comment a lot tend to gravitate towards youtube which is a great platform if you do want to in terms of commenting uh, compared to the others so uh, definitely chime in there if that's where you want to let us know your thoughts on what's going to be probably the most difficult top 11 uh, episode we've ever done. Absolutely. And Raymond, where can they find you? You can always find me on Twitter at Ray Solis and on Instagram at solis one That's the number one. That's R-A-Y-S-O-L-I-S. Awesome. And Candlestick Will,
0: where can they find you?
2: Well, they can find this podcast at Top Eleven Podcast, Top One One Podcast, and they can find me on Twitter at Candle Stick Will.
0: Awesome, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am Rudy Third. I am Rudy Three R D. All right, this is it. Final round. We've been waiting a long time. Coming off of a huge horror. Top 11 episode. Here we go. Back again for the final round of our Top 11 Villains Tournament. But of course, first, the greatest intro in the podcast game. Let's go.
2: San Francisco, are you ready? Are you ready?
0: This is the Gold Cast. We Boom. Welcome to another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host...
1: Raymond Salisa I, baby.
0: And our esteemed co-host...
2: Candlestick Will.
0: Yes! Here we go, guys. The final round. This has been four bloodbaths, and uh, obviously, Candlestick Will, you mentioned an excellent caveat that I think must exist now in forever for all of our top 11 tournaments, and that is no honorable mentions allowed. And I think that that was the coup de grace. you want to hear the honorable mentions, you have, you have four other podcasts dedicated to the honorable mentions of everyone who didn't make this list. So I thought that was an excellent, excellent addition, and it just made it a little more spicy. Uh, I want to turn to you first, Candlestick Will, as the godfather of the Top 11 podcast, and I want to ask you, what was it like going through and determining Who was going to be on your final list?
2: Well, I I was talking to Ray offline, and I think part of it just started the way you you would assume, which is you take the four lists you made, and you start from the top, and you see if you can just whittle it down to, like, the top three or four in each list. But I think one of the things that we've found whenever we've combined, um, which we did before with the the sports moments in the Bay, is – what might be the greatest Niner moment might not necessarily be the best bit moment in the Bay or, you know, and how it goes. So when we brought all these villains together, there was definitely some top heavy lists where it's like, okay, th- these top three or these top five definitely need to be somewhere. And then as you start to whittle it down, you're like, well, I don't know if I like this person at eight, maybe they actually should be jumped. And then you end up jumping them up to two or three, maybe, um, even though you had them below some of the people on the list when it was just horror. But when you're talking about overall villains, maybe your criteria changes a little bit. So, you know, ultimately everyone on my list was a a top, uh, you know, top candidate from one of the previous four lists. So it was, to me, this, it wasn't hard to determine who should be in the conversation, but then how do you pick one? How do you pick two? How do you pick three? It's, you know, for me, for me, I always personally try to have the Mount Rushmore matter a lot. Um, and then from there, it's kind of irrelevant as long as you can get everyone that you want on the list. But, you know, just like we said with the no honorable mention, well, then whoever's 12 doesn't even get mentioned. That makes it a little bit more complicated.
0: Absolutely. It absolutely makes it a little bit more complicated. Uh, I myself had an extremely difficult time, and I'll touch it on a second I want to bat it over to you, Raymond. We talked a little bit offline too before we got this list started. What was the hardest part of developing your list, or was because you've had a couple of lists that were really easy? And I want to know. well that's actually that. Let's go with that first. How did the co- putting this together, this list together, compare to some of the previous lists? Was it e- as easy as some of your previous ones, or did you find this list to be more difficult?
1: I found it to be kind of in the middle, just because. This is a compilation of all of my favorites. And horror is like at the top of, you know, my favorite genres, you know, next to action and science fiction, of course. But there's blendings of the two. But uh, I thought I thought horror was more challenging than this. But I was challenged with simply deciding who goes and who stays because it was easy to kind of pull some of the top three out but not everyone from the top three of all the previous lists made it to this final list. But some people from the list period in a different position outside of top three made the list. But when they were, it was kind of a delicate balancing act because I was judging them against everyone else outside of their one genre. And so that kind of gave the character more weight In this list than it did the list that they came from perhaps Um, so that part was a little bit challenging was trying to kind of weigh the characters against one another you know coming from their individual genre because I felt like some characters while they were dominant in their category perhaps might not be as dominant against all of the other all of the best from the rest of the list So that was kind of where I kind of ran into some speed bumps and I actually looked up articles of other, you know, top villains of all time. Not necessarily to just kind of to help me to help me kind of collect my thoughts, not necessarily as a cheat sheet to like, oh, well, they're number one. I'm going to put that as my number one, because what it did, it helped me collect my thoughts as I was corralling all these villains together. So when I looked at like I looked at like two articles. And then I just kind of skimmed through the list. I didn't really read anything about it. I just like, oh, looked at the list. Some had characters that were on my list, my entire list, and some had characters I never even thought of that I would never dream of putting on an all-time list. And so it kind of helped me think like, okay, I disagree with both of these lists, and so I think I know where I want to go with with my, my top, from my top to my beginning. The, the beginning, 11 and 10, where 11 was the easiest one to come up with, and then like 10 through 1, was like, I was kind of back and forth a bit. The only one that didn't move on the list uh, was number 11 and number four. So for me, I thought this was the
0: hardest list out of all of them. I thought it was really, really tough. I really struggled with number one and two. And I will talk about that the whole time. And when I present my number one and two, I'll explain why. Um, I have a reason why number one bumps out number two, but it, it it's a tough, man. I, I don't know, man. It's really hard not to put number two at number one. I'm really struggling with it right now. Um, But overall, what I found really interesting, the thing that I found the most interesting about when curating this list is characters that were ranked five and six on other lists made it into this list, bumping out one or two characters from other top threes. And that's what blew my mind away. Is that when it, kind of the same thing? It's like, well, when I compared this performance and character against against other characters and performances from the genre kind of like which you yes and you my uh, candlestick will it it that maybe in the specific genre it doesn't quite you know they don't quite there's guys that beat them but but these performances when taken out of that genre are some of the most iconic performances by those actors of all time you know so so that that actually they're they're so iconic and important in the pantheon of just overall cinema that i'll put those guys in but maybe in their specific genre you have other guys that are a little more niche and the performances you might like a little more for whatever reasons you know but but on this list seeing guys that were ranked maybe somewhere between six five and four end up on this list beating out guys that were in top threes that was what kind of surprised me the most that i i ended up seeing that and when i look at the list i feel pretty pretty confident in the list um that uh that it works, but that's what surprised me was seeing guys jump jump from those lower levels on other lists into this all time list, beating out lots of other guys.
2: Well, let's go. Let's let's no all further right. ado, let's well, get it. Ray, what do you got? Eleven through eight.
1: Okay. My top eleven villains of all time, eleven through eight are Oren Ishii. Dr. Hannibal Lecter, a two-way tie between the T-800 and the T-1000, and the Predator. Raymond with his first tie. Ever. Yeah, I don't like the ties. It's either you're either in or you're out. But an all-time list? All right. I was like, I got to get both machines in there. Holy shit. I have no idea how these lists are going to
0: end up already, just by what you've said.
2: Rudy, go for it.
0: All right. Number 11 is my one and only tie. I have a two-way, have a, a two-way tie. Number 11, The Wicked Witch of the West, by Margaret, played by Margaret Hamilton in The Wizard of Oz, and Norman Bates, played by Anthony Perkins in The Psycho franchise.
2: What about number 10, 9,
0: and 8? Oh, wait, yeah, I just told you. That was, I was like, and I'm done. <laughs> 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 number 10 is uh, Magneto, Ian McClellan wow. The X-Men franchise. Wow.
1: Wow. Is that too high? That's really high. Wow. <laughs> I
2: man. I can't I'll believe
1: be you went that high with with someone that you and I share a, a similar affinity for. I, I'll be honest. He, he
0: dropped a lot. of. He dropped. He was pretty high up, but I dropped him after. Yeah. Wait for this. All right. Number nine. Number nine. Uh, Raymond is also sci-fi fantasy. Not a tie for us, though. I have the Xenomorph ah. from the Aliens franchise at number nine. And at number eight, my girl, Reagan McNeil, as played by Linda Blair in The Exorcist. Those are my, that those are my, those round out my four. All right. Candlestick Will, what about you, buddy?
2: So at number 11, I have Nurse Ratchet from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Um, when I did her, when I um, put her on my list last time, I had her tied with Mr. Perry from uh, Dead Poets Society. But in this case, I think she her her performance and her her her' the villainous she takes it by itself so i didn't I didn't have a tie here. Um, number ten, I have Annie Wilkes from Misery. at number nine, I have Eric Killmonger from Black Panther, and at number eight, I've got Norman Bates from Psycho. Nice.
0: I'm glad Norman Bates made oh
1: wow, several horror choices there.
0: yeah, it looks like you got a lot of your horror ones out the way real quick there at the top there. So Ray, break it down for us.
1: All right, uh she comes from the top 11 action villains list. I picked her because I thought that she was um more diabolical than the other choices compared to the competition here. Um I I didn't think I thought like I thought of Hans Gruber and you know cuz that list is that list is alonzo dr hannibal lecter and hans gruber as the top three from three to one and you know alonzo's just kind of a crooked cop you know compared to all of these other villains like oren ishii i feel like tops him when compared to this list this is where it gets complicated because alonzo is three on that list and he's he's at the top of the list and oren ishii is is at the bottom of that list but on this list, she made the list and Alonzo didn't. But I thought that the, that the weight of those characters with, within the, the weight class of this particular top 11, I thought kind of changed changed the dynamic bet- between how I judge the characters. So I thought, oh, Reni, she, I think, has to go in there. She's more diabolical than Alonzo. She's, dr- she's, a, she's a crime lord and, an ass- and a former assassin as a kid. She's murdered way more <clears throat> people. Way more people. And so, and and Doctor Hannibal Lecter edges her because he's also pure evil too. He's he's incredibly intelligent, and he he started off on a good path, becoming a, a doctor and a, and a, and his a, a psychological knowledge, but then just kills people and eats them for the fun of it. It's, so it so that goes way beyond Oreni. She Oreni she is, you know. There's an there's an ep- economical, you know, goal. With her because it's an organized crime syndicate that has a goal of, you know, making money, whereas Dr. Hannibal Lecter is just kind of a smart, crazy guy who just likes to kill people and eat them just for the fun of it, you know, and and he and then
2: but then he can't but, bring but he him start but he but he started off on a good path I yeah love that. <laughs> yeah he, he was a doctor so he went to medical school he got hungry later <laughs> yeah he got, he got later <laughs> you know he, he doesn't want to
1: kill jodie foster because he's infatuated with her and that's his like it's almost the weird uh, it's almost heart,
2: a, heart of gold yeah. <laughs> it's a similar dilemma that that dracula
1: faces in bram stoker's where like he kind of is fighting the love part of him but then the the nature part of him so, but I he, that was an easy one to edge any Shi because he was more dog but diabolical. Now, the T800 and the T1000, they edge Dr. Hannibal Lecter because they are pure killing machines, specifically designed for that. They have they have a, a neural processing computer that gives the impression of conscious thought, but it really doesn't have that at all. It's it's built and bred for the sole purpose of killing, and it will kill everything in its path in order to get to its you know, primary target. And that was complete. That was completely the goal in the first two terminators with the first, the the first two bad terminators, the the Arnold Schwarzenegger T 100 from 84. And then of course the Robert Patrick in 92. So I thought that that topped Hannibal Lecter because Hannibal Lecter did it for fun and was evil, but it's like, Hey, but this thing's even more evil than you. It'll, it'll kill you to get to somebody else. You know, you, you Hannibal Lecter has boundaries as we saw between him and the, the relationship between him and Jodie Foster has evidence of that. And then the predator, what kind of fucked up alien travels to other planets to just kill the species unbeknownst to them for pure sport to go hang on a trophy in its spaceship or on its belt buckle. That's just that's just space crazy. <laughs> Maybe they've been in space too long. I don't know. It but sounds that... like what humans do in the forest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very similar to that, but I mean but I mean we're we're not to the once I guess once we get to interstellar travel we'll start to do predator things. And start to go and kill things without hunting them, or put them all on a on a specific preserve for the sole purpose of killing them. Um, when is
2: uh, is, pre- is did I just find out? Like, am I today years old when I realized that's what Predator is actually about? Is taking the uh, the sport of hunting and flipping it on its head? That's the presumption. No one the I predator so. Predator never says that, but the
1: imagery suggests it.
2: Because um, killing humans for sport and then just using them as trophies is literally what we do with animals. So did Predator just become a way more poignant film? <laughs> yeah.
1: Perhaps it's a documentary, a, a, symb- a symbolic documentary. <laughs> um, so I thought that was uh, even crazier than, you know, I mean, Predator does have boundaries that, that are, that seem to be a little bit more grace, you know, more, there's a little bit more graces that Predator gives than a Terminator. But I still think the predator. I mean, that's kind of fucked up. I mean, the predator travels. You have no idea it's there. It's and it's there and it's just watching you. And you could be on a rescue mission to save, you know, uh, a child from uh, a, a a a kidnapping, and the predator will kill you just because you know you're armed and they're sport into it. And so that's just jacked, straight jacked. And I thought the predator, predator, if predator really went up toe to toe against with T-800, he'd probably struggle against the T-1000, but I think it eventually he'd figure it out. I mean, he has a whatever that is on his shoulder. It's a plasma something. It's definitely energy. So I think that would deal some damage to the T-1000. But yeah, I I thought Predator tops Terminator, but not by much. But, But yeah, that's the reasoning behind these first four. What about you, Rudy?
0: So, I have to admit, Raymond, I feel the same way back. I can't believe Hannibal Lecter was freaking number 10? He's not higher up on that list? I'm shocked. See, just like how you felt about uh, Magneto. <laughs> I'm very surprised by that. Uh, so I went with, uh, when putting together these lists, Raymond, I like how Raymond went about it. He's kind of almost looking at it from almost like a scientific-like if these guys were in a room fighting each other, how would this go down? Which I kind of like. I think that's, you know, everyone, we're all entitled to how we put together these lists. And I, 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 that's really interesting. Um, I agree. I actually think as badass as Oren Ishii is, Hannibal Lecter would totally kill her if they were had to <laughs> pit against each other. I don't think, I don't think she's stands a chance. Like, I think he's too smart. I, different. What I ended up going with, um, was a couple different things when putting together and curating this list. The, the performance by the actor uh, was one of the number one biggest parts of this. The, how iconic the role is just in overall cinema. And then, uh, and then the overall level of influence that movie may have had on, on the, on the the genres that it, they come from. And so Wicked Witch of the West, Margaret Hamilton, I mean, she's one of the first supervillains, arguably the first supervillain ever on, ever, ever presented on on in motion pictures she's she's the grandma you know she she is the she's the old school queen bee one of the first and most iconic superhero like villains of all time and it was a woman which i also think is super dope magical powers the whole thing you know what i mean she's a super villain and i love that uh then after that norman bates as we mentioned before the great granddaddy of the slasher killer an, an iconic performance of Anthony Perkins, as we mentioned in the, in the previous podcast. So iconic. They never, you know, he really couldn't get work ever again after that. At number 10, uh, Ian McClellan's performance is Magneto Magneto easily. The most interesting Marvel villain, uh, of all time. And, uh, Ian McClellan's performance. He gives it the nuance that the character, when, when he's at his best in the comics is written as someone who truly believes he's standing for good. And we, you know, we talked a little bit about the, uh, um, I can't remember running a blank on the other Magneto's name. What's this? Michael name? Fassbender. M- yeah, Michael Fassbender's performance that is excellent and fantastic, but definitely really tends to really capture mostly the villain side. And it doesn't, it doesn't really have the same level of nuance. And you never really feel like Magneto ever thinks he's fighting for good. I don't think he wants to fight. I don't think he cares. He seems a lot more interested in, in carnage. Um, especially in the the following films than the first. The first one, he's a little more balanced, but it goes away quickly. But Ian McClellan, easily the best Marvel... It's not technically part of the MCU, but of the Marvel movies, of the whole pantheon of them, the best-performed villain there. And uh, I put him at 10. I did have him higher, but I'll explain why, Raymond, why I dropped him a little bit later. The Xenomorph from the Aliens franchise. The Xenomorph probably, for me... I think is the most terrifying creature, Um, you know. Unlike the thing, which doesn't have a look, um, the the xenomorph, he's humanoid-like, but like the predator from the neck down looks like just like a big dude with some gray skin. The xenomorph, um, the look of it, is so iconic, and these movies really, the aliens franchise and the xenomorph, really, the whole there's really there's something evil in space trying to kill us and it's a big nasty creature it really starts with alien and every movie ever is just trying to get back to alien and aliens and that i think is personified most by the xenomorph and so i put the xenomorph at number nine i think he is more iconic than the characters before but at number eight rounding out the top spot for this list Linda Blair's performance as Reagan McNeil, The Exorcist, I think The Exorcist is more iconic than any of those other characters. Not more iconic than the characters that come into the next level, but as far as horror and just, I mean, like we said, kind of going back to influence, every every demon possession movie is just trying to get back to The Exorcist and her performance, the throw up, the bridge walk, the head turn, I mean, every every demon Position movie does at least two of those three to this day. You know, it, it never changes and it started with her and the fact that she was so young and to be so young pulling off a performance like that in such a heavy movie was very, very impressive. And so that is why she rounds out at the number one spot of the top tier, number eight. And so
2: Candlestick Will, let's talk about your list. Why did you choose the characters you chose? So, started my list at number 11 with Nurse Ratchet. Um, like I said, I had Mr. Perry, who, you know, basically, for those that don't know, you know, One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest um, and Dead Poet Society are essentially the same movie with the same characters. Um, and Mr. Perry is, you know, just one of the most uh, diabolical characters ever written. Um, but, you know, the OG, Nurse Ratchet, is just such a, a villainous character. She won an Oscar um, for that, didn't she? Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's one of the most incredible, just, of all, of all the movies I've ever seen, the, you know, she's she's wearing a neck brace at the end of the movie, and it's it's almost like, good, I'm glad she's hurt, you know, it's like, and how many people, how many people in movie history have you just been, like, so happy they're in pain? Like, that's how angry you are, viscerally angry at her performance, because she's so damn good at being a villain in that film um, that when a character's in pain, you're like, yeah, I hope she's in pain. You know, that that's it. There aren't that many films. I don't think where that happens. Um, and she's certainly one of the, one of the greatest of all time in that. Um, one of the most, uh, just frightful characters of all time, Annie Wilkes in misery. Um, you know, we talked about it when we, we, we all had her on lists, you know, in, in previous lists, but you know, she's, one of the all timers, Kathy Bates, you talk about iconic performances, Kathy Bates is, is Annie Wilkes is, you know, as, as good as it's ever gotten, um, you know, another Oscar in, in, in that way. And um, it's just that plot that Stephen King created um, and then was put to film is just one of the most scary things you could imagine where you're literally s- stuck in a bed in a place you don't know and then realize the person you're with is a complete psychopath. And it's, I mean, there's nothing more um, fearful than that where you, where you literally can't leave, but but also a fan
1: of, of you at the same time. Right. So it, de- so. so you think, so you
2: think, you think you're in the clear, you think you got this, you know, you think you've got this perfect scenario and it ends up being an absolute nightmare. Um, and I, I just think that, that kind of a, a that, that, that plot itself scares the crap out of me. Um, and Annie Wilkes' character scares the crap out of me. But Kathy Bates brought that to life in, in a way that very few actresses and, or actors can pull off. Um, at number nine is my favorite um, villain of all time is Eric Killmonger in Black Panther. Um, it, it's, it's low on this list because ultimately he's not he's not evil. He's not scary. He's Ultimately, in my opinion, he's just accurate. You know, he, he's, his view of the world is actually way more right than the view of the world from every other character in the movie. Um, He might be going about it in too much of an extreme way, but what he's saying and why he's doing it is one of the most just things I've ever seen on film for a villain. And it's not so much that for me, in my eyes, if you're making this list, he doesn't necessarily belong. Number one, because there's other villains that are better villains in film. But as far as a villain that's doing things that that matter and make sense, he's absolutely number one. So I had to have him somewhere on the list. But the, the eight I have above are just they're more um, they're more defined as sheer villains, and so um, it was more putting Eric Killmonger on here as the ultimate honorable mention. In that he probably doesn't belong on this list actually, but in reality, he's my absolute favorite um, I've ever seen uh, in in that role. And so I had to put him somewhere, and so I wanted him at number nine. I'm curious and then, to see uh, who your
1: others are. It's well, I mean, every because you speak so per- highly of him.
2: Well, yeah, and I mean, you, you're you're not going to be surprised by anyone above him because they're they're all names that I had in my in my top list. But um, so, and then number eight, uh, Norman Bates and Psycho. You brought it. You brought it up, Rudy. What we've talked about before, but it's just one of the most piercing performances. You know, those eyes at the end, and and just the the way that Hitchcock creates. Creates villains is unprecedented, and, and we brought up you know some of the other great villains in in Hitchcock past, whether whether it's Strangers on a Train or Rope or some of these other films, where he just has a way of making you just fear the screen, and just can't wait for the next scene. And uh, Psycho is as, is as good as it gets for keeping you on the edge of your seat and not knowing what's coming next. And uh, and Norman Bates, that that performance by Anthony Perkins is is an all timer What about you, Ray? Seven through four, what do you got?
1: All right. Seven through four, I've got Thanos, Xenomorph, Pennywise, and Magneto. Whoa. What about you, Rudy? All
0: right. At number seven, Hans Gruber played by Alan Rickman in Die Hard. At number 6, The Joker, played by Jack Nicholson in Batman 1989. And number 5, The T800, played by Arnold Schwarzenegger in The Terminator franchise. And at number 4, my boy, my the goat, the Joe Montana of murderers, Michael Myers, Halloween franchise. All right, Kyle Sickwell. What about you, buddy? So at
2: seven, I got the Wicked Witch of the West from Wizard of Oz. At six, I have the scariest of all time in recent history, the white people in Get Out. <laughs> at number five, I've got Hans Gruber from Die Hard. And at number four, wow. I've got Darth Vader from Star Wars. Wow. Ooh. Wow. Wow. Ah.
0: I like how Raymond's, like, <laughs> slightly appalled by our lists. <laughs> That's a first in top 11 history. Raymond being slightly appalled.
1: <laughs> uh, I mean, my list is kind of all over the place, too, though. Um, Thanos, you know, how could I leave off? Even though Th- Thanos, uh, coincidentally, was number seven in his respective lists and is number seven on the all-time list. So he's... If there's one thing Thanos is, he's consistent, no matter what the competition <laughs> is. Uh, Thanos for the, for the I mean, the Josh Brolin performance here is fantastic. I thought he was, Thanos is such a cool villain just because even before they started getting into that, you know, there was always debates like as to Thanos was so powerful. You know, if you had to put a super team together, who would be on that team to, you know, compete with a Thanos and sure enough, that's what we got in the films. And it was just so awesome to see. And I always I always thought that a, uh, a Doctor Strange had to be a part of that group somehow in some form. And um, and the fact that he could snap his fingers and kill half the universe, I thought that was pretty deserving to, to be on the list and be up there. Xenomorph, however, even though, you know, one-on-one fight, I mean, Thanos could probably kill everyone on this list if they were in a battle arena together.
2: We, at least half of them. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Except Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. I think he couldn't he beat Hannibal
0: Lecter. Yeah, he wouldn't, he
1: wouldn't. He wouldn't. outsmart Hannibal Lecter. Somehow, some way, he, he he would lose that fight. I bet Thanos tastes delicious too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Xenomorph. I mean, the reason why I gave Xenomorph is just similar reasons that you gave for your reasoning for having Xenomorph on the list. Is just the iconicness of the character and just the nature of Xenomorph. I mean I don't really like the the Ridley Scott prequels that explain the origin of xenomorph. I like the fact that we don't I like going on the mythology that we don't know where it comes from. All we know is that it's its inherent nature is to kill is to kill in order to reproduce. It it kills to defend itself and it kills to just kill. But then it also arbitrarily picks hosts for no reason you know it'll kill us it'll kill a a stronger person with better genetic better athletic build and then cocoon you know a small eight-year-old little girl or a dog as we've seen or predator as we've seen some of those shittier uh, crossovers but (laughs) but but what we do but we what we do know is that it's it's sole purpose is just to breed kill breed kill breed so we can kill some more and then it has two different forms that it, you know, or it has, it has separate forms that are two separate forms that are part of the same family of species, such a weird and just crazy design. Um wise, again, I, I have him high on the list because he kills kids and he kills kids v- viciously as we've seen in the films. And so I had to put him on that list because he goes, be- Xenomorph is just acting on its, on its nature. Pennywise is just acting on pure, crazy, mythological psychoness to just eat kids. That's nuts. So I had him on the list uh, above them. Because Thanos, again, even though Thanos has some evil characteristics, again, his reasoning for destroying half the universe was along the same lines as, as the motive that a character like Magneto has. So Magneto, of course... I have a two-way tie. So I have Ian McKellen in there and Fastbender in there because I couldn't keep them both off the list because uh, as you pointed out, Rudy, both of these performances capture both sides of Magneto. Magneto does have a villainous side, but it's, it's mostly, it's motivated by the Ian McKellen side of his personality. Whereas the Fastbender, yeah, I, I agree. It was, it was more, he was just more like, more uh, traditional villain persona in those films. Whereas the Ian McKellen one, you know, he was, he was driven by something more. He was driven, by, you know, was driven by by his own personal ideology, what he had been through, um, being in the, uh, the the Jewish concentration camps. So all of that I thought was great exposition, and just created a really interesting character that I thought was pretty accurate to what I always uh, knew him to be in the cartoons and in the comics. So I thought um, I thought that he should be on this list high, just because not necessarily performance wise, but just because he's a villain, you know, he's not as evil as some of the, the characters before him. But again, he carries a lot of weight in his films. Uh, he's he's a leader in his films. You know, I think if he was fighting a lot of these characters, he'd, he'd probably be in Predator. He would just use the old, me- assuming that's metal to crush him. The T-800, T-1000, it's liquid metal, but he can still manipulate it. You know, Hannibal Lecter? I don't know. Hannibal Lecter would be too smart. He wouldn't have any metal on him. Too smart. He'd figure it too out. Smart. Oh, Renny, she'd take that blade and shove it right through her head. Uh, it'd be I no bet match. Magneto tastes delicious too. <laughs> yeah. Xenomorph, uh, Thanos. He'd figure it out. You know, I think uh, if they were in a fight, uh, Magneto would beat most of the characters before him. It'd be a little. It'd be a toss up between him and Lecter. <clears throat> but but yeah, that's that's my reasoning for for that. What about you Rudy all right so
0: at number seven starting off the next tier of my list Hans Gruber played by Alan Rickman diehard uh, easily the number one for many many people on the number one action movie villain of all time I think he's great the performance is iconic the, the acts we talked about before, the action movie villain, I actually don't think that list is that big. Um, I don't really think there are, many, there are many iconic performances in that genre of movie simply because most of those 80s movies are really focused on Sly Stallone, Bruce Willis. They were really more focused on the... It was more about the good guy than it was the bad guy. Right. And so the, the Hans Gruber, this performance is so amazing. And is so memorable. He's narcissistic. He's funny. He's cowardly. He's vicious. He's cruel. He's manipulative. It's an, an iconic performance and definitely one that deserved to be on the list. But I do feel that the the reason Han Gruber ended up at seven versus the other versus higher up on the list is I just think that everyone that comes after him is more iconic. They're just more famous. A lot of them have had more movies and more opportunities to be those guys over and over again. And um, I think Hans Gruber beats out the guys before him and the women before him, but he doesn't beat out who comes next. So let's talk about who comes next. Joker by Jack Nicholson, Batman 1989. This is the exact same spot, number six, that he was on my superhero list. Jack, Jack, uh, I think, Kenneth well, you said this best on that superhero uh, podcast that Jack Nicholson's performance basically sets up every supervillain afterwards, right? It's the guy, it's the one that sets that entire genre into motion. He's the first major actor to take a superhero movie serious and really bring the superhero franchise the gravitas it needed on what was really its real initial movie birth was Batman 89, you know? And so Jack's performance uh, is iconic and I just think he's unbeatable at this spot. But six, I think, is where he uh, deserves to be Because the T-800, when you say Terminator, you think of Arnold Schwarzenegger. When you think of who is the most iconic Terminator, it is Arnold Schwarzenegger. I had the T-1000 ranked higher than him on the sci-fi fantasy list. Because I thought as a villain itself, I thought Robert Patrick's performance is even scarier. But Arnold Schwarzenegger is the Terminator. In fact, the Terminator is kind of like the, the Die Hard phrase where it's like, well, it's Terminator, but th- like this. Like I would say, it's Die Hard on a plane. It's Die Hard on a boat. You know, Terminator has become a, a an adjective to describe how certain movies are, are done. Well, it's like Terminator, but this way. It's this version of Terminator. And uh, I, it's none of that is more personified better than my boy Arnold Schwarzenegger, even though he's pretty much only a villain in two of them, Terminator Salvation and in Terminator... The original, uh, the next one, man, it was hard not to put him in the top three. My goat, my literally the Joe Montana of horror movie killers, Michael Myers, probably my personal like you you said, Killmonger is your favorite. Michael Myers is probably my favorite villain of all time. I'm absolutely unabashedly completely obsessed with the Halloween franchise and Halloween one, two and twenty eighteen are it's in my opinion the three three of like the top six greatest horror films of all time michael myers is the greatest horror film villain of all time he every he is the godfather of the slasher killers he's the number one guy every other slasher killer ever of all time is just trying to get back to michael myers and he's never uttered a single word ever in a movie ever except for the the zombie ones but i don't even count those um, but in the actual all the ones that all the proper ones, not, not the reboot, uh, he's never, ever spoke. And so that's a lot. He looks amazing. He's super scary, super villainous. And I mean, it's just where where are we without without Halloween as a, as a as a character and as a franchise? I have no idea where horror movies are. We're, I'm telling you, we're missing an entire chunk. There's no Freddy. There's no Jason. None of these guys show up if it isn't for Michael Myers. And uh, that is why he ranked so high, but not higher than my top three, which we'll talk about after. And it hurt. It hurt. Trust me, it hurt. All right. Candlestick Will, your your top
2: guys. Let's talk about seven through four. So, you know, most of of the people on my list, or actually all the people on my list, fit into basically two categories. They either scared the shit out of me or – you end, or I basically ended up rooting for them at event, you know, because they were so good. You know that they're so good at being a villain that you're actually almost on their side, depending on the film. Um, so it was kind of one of the two. So for number seven, Wicked Witch of the West scared the shit out of me. It scared the shit out of every kid who's ever seen Wizard of Oz as a kid, especially. Um, I mean, she was one of the ultimate villains. You know, it, it, as far as you know, like you were saying. As far as you know, kind of the godfather, godmother of of you know horror films, or or just you know antagonists. You know, once you create w- *Wicked Witch of the West*, then everything else after that becomes well. Can we get someone to be at that level? Um, you know, it's one of the great actors of that time, doing one of the most all-time performances ever. And uh, and then at number six, you know, you guys uh, on the horror podcast brought up a lot of good horror films that have been made recently. Um, I think Jordan Peele is one of the best filmmakers in human history at this point. Like she's already proven that from what he's done already, what he's planning on doing and and the depth at which he's creating it, he's making films that are going to stand the test of time. They're going to be taught in schools and get out is one of the most incredible premises for a film I've ever seen. I think it's a film that's actually a must viewing for all humans (laughs) I think that's how vital it is, especially with the climate we're in right now, that to just understand that that perspective isn't as far-fetched as you might think, and that's how frightening that film is because of how close to the truth it actually really is. Um, And that scares the hell out of me that that's actually, is probably way more accurate than people want to admit, um, is how people perceive others um, in this country. And uh, and so to me, it's one of the scariest films I've ever seen when you realize just how, how much truth is really there. And then number five, you know, one of the all-timers, Hans Gruber. It's unbelievable that it was Alan Rickman's first film ever. Um, you know, one of the things about Die Hard is that Bruce Willis in Die Hard and Alan Rickman in Die Hard are probably the two characters that more filmmakers have tried to duplicate than any film than anybody ever you know every action film from that point on was can we find a badass charismatic funny interesting you know hero and can we find a villain that can match him? you know so whether it's a john lithgow and cliffhanger or or whoever else is can we get some kind of a-list level talent to play the villain and then die hard in the mountains. Exactly, but it's like, and and not just and not just Die Hard in the Mountains, but just can we get an A-list actor to just rock this villain? Can we? And and you know, you mentioned Jack Nicholson, and we talked about it that pot in the podcast. Dennis Hopper where, and Speed, right? Exactly, but it's like when you can get a gifted actor to commit completely to being the villain, it becomes such a better film because now you've got a, a heavyweight boxing match, and you know, Hans Gruber is one of the best. You know characters ever created, and Alan Rickman, you know, hit a, a grand slam home run in his first film, um, and so he's on my list. He is at number five, though. My Mount Rushmore starts with um, one of the all-timers, Darth Vader and Star Wars. You know, from the, the one of the, you know maybe the greatest trilogy ever ever created in Star Wars, um, four, five, and six, all the way to you know his perform his small cameo in Rogue One. I mean, he's just one of the most badass characters of all time James Earl jones takes what was a pretty incredible uh character and turned it into the icon of all icons um for what what a villain should look like what a villain should act like how a villain should sound you know there it's it's hard it's hard to imagine there's actually three people higher on my list when you really think about it but there's three people higher on my list so let's go with hey all right um, no more no time for honorable mention let's go right to the top three. What do you got, right? right.
1: Was it, uh, wasn't Die Hard 2 a, a, another film? And then they just said, let's just make this into Die, Die Hard 2. That was Die, Die Hard 3. is was Die Hard 3. Which was a great film, too. I thought that was better than 2. Anyways, uh number three through one, the moment has come. Oh, man. So I've got some very obvious people in this position. At least I, I would think that you would think these are obvious. At number three, I've got... Darth Vader, the man. At number two, I've got Mr. Emotionless himself, Michael Myers. And at number one, I've got all three Joker performances.
2: Oh, nice.
0: That was
1: really good.
2: That was really good.
0: What about you, Rudy? All right. Uh, This list, I'm not going to lie, has moved around three times while we've had this podcast.
1: (laughs) I'm hey, I've lie. done that, too. I've moved around a couple I of pieces in the, middle, well. in the middle <laughs> in <right>. the of broadcasting.
0: <laughs> all right, all right. Number three, I can't believe you, Raymond. Dr. Hannibal Lecter at number three. He is, I had to have him in the Mount Rushmore. Well, I, and I'll explain why after. I couldn't believe how high you'd ranked him.
1: If, if I do that, then I take Vader out of three. I couldn't do it. At number
0: two, The Joker, Heath Ledger, Dark Knight, 2008. And at number one, my man, Darth Vader. I, I, w- I went with the, the, the icon of icons, as Candlestick Will called them. Uh, but th- but th- those guys have all switched and all taken turns at number one. Let's put it that way. Every one of those guys tonight sat at number one some point in the last two hours. <laughs> Candlestick
2: Will, what's your top three? All right, so at number three, I've got Heath Ledger's Joker uh, from Dark Knight. At number two, Hannibal Lecter from Silence of the Lambs. And at number one, Michael Corleone. Oh, very you. good. Oh, I, very forgot nice. very I forgot about Corleone. Nice. I forgot he was
0: on your list. Oh, I was trying to figure out who your top three were going to be.
2: Corleone. All right, Ray, g- give us the breakdown.
1: All right. Uh, for the record, Vader has been in all of these positions when I was coming up with this list. But I ended him at three... Just because like Magneto, Vader and Magneto actually end up with redeeming qualities that kind of take the villainous side out of them. I mean, had Palpatine chosen a better, quicker technique to kill Luke, he probably, you know, would have sat there and watched him die. But uh, for some reason, force lightning just takes a really long time to kill people. And it gave enough time (laughs) time for Vader to... Conveniently long time. (laughs) And gave enough time for (laughs) Vader to reconsider... You know uh, his his own his own morals, uh, but uh, that is kind of what kept him from being one. Even though, in terms of being an icon, he's far superior than everyone on this list. But in terms of the character, what the character is within his universe and what his personality traits are, that's kind of how I judged it. I didn't I I tried to stay out of um, sort of the the grand perspective of what the film did, um, at least for for my purposes. So I thought that because Vader had some redeeming qualities and actually became a good guy before he died, I thought that he couldn't necessarily go further than the two people above him because Michael Myers is just pure evil, no emotion. He the, the mask is not just a clever, scary mask. It is actually that's just how he is. You know, if, if he the mask was off, that would be his facial expression. That's just how Michael Myers is. So it's it's a it's the perfect cloak, I guess you would say. I I think I think for him, the mask is a better reflection of who he is than his real face is. Um, and that to me, the, the fact even when they say it in the film, Michael Myers is pure evil. You know, that's that's exactly what Michael Myers is. He's pure evil. He just kills, you know, in that film. You know, even though in a, in a fight, again, Thanos could probably kill everyone on this list. You know, he'd probably struggle against Hannibal. Maybe Vader, give him a run for his money at times. Maybe Magneto. But everyone else is dead. But, but Michael Myers, he's just pure, pure evil. He just kills, especially in the 2018 version. There's a long shot, like a two-minute long shot of him just going on a killing spree. For the hell of it. it there's there's no rhyme or reason to it he's just killing people it's a amazing shot absolutely amazing there's so much coordination going on with all the extras and actors in the scene here and it all just works beautifully one of the best one of the best scenes in, in, a, in a horror film of all time
0: one of the best tracking shots ever done in a horror film ever yeah
1: michael myers evil could not be outdone by the pure chaotic i don't give a fuck of the joker the joker doesn't give two shits he goes beyond michael myers and he he takes it to a whole nother level michael myers can only get to one individual at a time the joker kills uh many people at many different occasions in all sorts of different ways he doesn't just use a knife i mean michael myers kills in different ways but joker goes goes way beyond that uh and he's just he lives and breeds off of chaos, even though you know I put all three of them in there because all three, I did get a little bit into the films there. I was like, all right, Joker really, I mean, and all three films capture what makes Joker, Joker. And there, obviously we have varying degrees of whose performance is better as we saw in our previous list. But for this list, I had to put all three together on the same in a, in a pancake fashion just because I felt like all three you know, the, the power of these performances of the character just again, you're getting you're getting multiple doses of what this character is, who he is, how how his mind works, how his mind doesn't work, um, how he cares, how he doesn't care what he cares about and what he doesn't care about. And all of it ends up to the same to the same uh, the, the same end, end game, which is just like chaos, evil, evil chaos, because that's just all, all he's about. And the, all three of those films, the you know, the, the Ledger, the Walking Phoenix, and the Nicholson film, all three of them really c- capture the, the best qualities of what make Joker such an interesting and iconic villain. And it was really difficult for me to put Vader, who has redeeming qualities ahead of him, just because I felt like, Dad, Joker embodies that evilness better than any of these characters, though. Um, even better than Michael Myers. And, and that's like, That's like a and that's and that they're they're the evilness of those two characters is pretty damn close, but Joker has just accomplished a lot more with that evil that evil mind of his that I had to give it to Joker.
2: What about you, Rudy? All right,
0: so my top three: Hannibal Lecter, uh, which uh, I like how Hannibal Lecter ended up on two of these lists. um, Chose just the power of that performance. This really comes down to Anthony Hopkins' performance as easily. The scariest non supernatural performance of any actor ever. I would say the, the rivaled by Annie Wilkes, um, Kathy Bates' performance in Misery, as just truly terrifying, monster Jaws level terrifying, xenomorph terrifying, Michael Myers level terrifying, and he's literally smiling at you and actually speaking quite pleasant. His level of intel, he, he. A- Anthony Hopkins convinces you of everything they've ever said about Dr. Hannibal Lecter, that he is the smartest man in the room, that he is the most dangerous man in the room, that he is already 10 steps ahead of you, and that he will gut you like a fish so fast you don't even know how you ended up in this situation. And Anthony Hopkins' performance, without question, leaves no room for doubt. You absolutely believe every moment and everything that they say He's capable of you believe, and that's why he ended up right here at my number three spot. At my number two spot, Heath Ledger's Joker. Uh, again, you know he made he was at number one for me too for a while there, Raymond. The Heath Ledger Joker has become the villain performance, the superhero villain performance by which all other superhero villain performances are judged by, and um, so iconic, coming in and knocking off Jack Nicholson, who I think held that belt for about 20 straight years. 19 years, Jack Nicholson held the belt as the greatest superhero villain performance of all time. He's holding that belt. He's right up there. And for him to knock off Jack, and then to go and win an Oscar with that performance, not only does he, does he, does he take the belt from Jack, rests out of his hands, he wins an Oscar posthumously. The only reason I didn't put him at number one because, Raymond, unlike you, I did separate the villains. Um, I thought that was really smart to put them together. I think that makes a perfect sense for your list. The reason I couldn't give him number one is because somebody turned around less uh, uh, about, uh, 10 years later and won the Oscar for the same performance. If nobody had won the Oscar for, for Joker besides Heath Ledger, I put Heath Ledger at number one. I go, dude, the dude won an Oscar for the role. But because someone else won the Oscar playing the same character. Now, Anthony Hopkins also coincidentally won an Oscar for uh, Dr. Hannibal Lecter as well. Both of these Oscar-winning performances, there have been many other people that have played Hannibal Lecter. None of them have been coming close to the level of
1: Anthony Hopkins. Uh, but... Yeah, there's, a, have t- there's e- a TV series now played by that that guy who was the, the father... I hear and, that's actually really good. The father in Rogue that, One.
0: Yeah, I hear that's actually really good. Um, at number one, though... Darth Vader, the reason I went with Darth Vader is because he is the most iconic villain of all time. You said it best, Candlestick Will. He is uh, the villain, the number one villain in what is arguably the greatest trilogy of all time. And he is the level, the level of how famous this character is can never be understated. He has the most famous villain voice of all time you know exactly who it is the second he's breathing. You know exactly who it is the second he he only has to utter one or two words and everybody on the planet, about 95% of the people on Earth, know exactly who Darth Vader is. And for that reason alone, the sheer influence that he has had on cinema, the sheer influence the movies he's had, have had on cinema, I had to put him at number one. This is a character that has looked one way For 40 straight years, he basically was a dude in a robot suit. And how many robots that were made in the 70s, the 80s, even in the 90s, how many robots have you seen that have not stood the test of time? This guy, the look they created in 1977, 40 years later, is still scary as hell. Like there's so few things like when you look, even when you look at the computers that they're using in those old movies, they are so janky. They look nothing like modern stuff. None of that stuff's aged at all. But somehow Darth Vader stays timeless. That exact look that is so hard to do in cinema, that is so hard to create a a look. Even Michael Myers mask has changed over the years. Even the look of the character has changed despite it being pretty basic, the, the, the suit, the mask. Darth Vader has never, even the look has never changed, and it's still just as scary today as it was in 1977. And I just think the sheer influence of that character on cinema is un, un, uh, unquestionable. And so I ended up putting him at number one. But had you asked me 30 minutes ago, Hannibal had been there. He asked me 30 minutes before that, Ledger was there. If we did this tomorrow, it might be it might be a completely different order. But uh, I got two 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 Oscar winners, my two Oscar winners, and. The, the I like how you said it, Candlestick Will, the icon of icons when it comes to villains, uh, Darth Vader. All right, so let's talk about your final three, Candlestick Will.
2: So I had Joker at number three. Um, if you guys remember, I also had Joker from Heath Ledger at number three on my list for, super, for the superhero villains. And um, yet he was one that when I looked at this list and all-time villains, he jumped Quite a few people um, from that list and ended up still being three on this list because he easily could have been and probably should have been number one for me um, when we were doing that list in the first place. And his performance is an all-timer like we, like you, you guys have all mentioned. Um, I, I do think he's his performance as a villain is more impressive than Joaquin Phoenix or Jack Nicholson. Mostly because Jack Nicholson is more of a uh, campy, entertaining version of, uh, of the Joker um, by design. It, 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 Tim Burton designed it that way. And he had more fun with it, I think. Um, literally, like, entertainment value, uh, you know, uh, in, in, his, in his version of evil. And then Joaquin Phoenix wasn't necessarily evil for most of the film. He was just angry and sad and alone and confused. And we saw the development into what would, what could easily develop into what Heath Ledger became, um, and that we saw, and just shows goes to the brilliance of Joaquin Phoenix as an actor. But when we're just talking about a villain, I think Heath Ledger stands alone in in, in that regard. Um, at, at least in my opinion, that I think do think he is more of a villain than the other two. Um, for number two, I had Hannibal Lecter. We we've already mentioned him. We we all have him on our list. I think that. Uh, That in and of itself goes to show what what an icon he is. The, The fact that he was in the film for 16 minutes and he absolutely belongs on all three of our lists goes to what a just perfect performance that was by Anthony Hopkins. And I don't think it can be stressed enough that when have we ever seen someone be in a movie for 16 minutes and even be considered best actor? And then to just win it hands down crush it because there wasn't anyone better that year. And he was only in the movie for 16 minutes. I mean, that, I, I don't think we can understate how, how crazy that is. Um, and We're talking about it 30 years later, well, I, I, he's on right. everyone's list. 30 years later, that 16 minute performance is still here. And, and I think it goes to just how, how batshit crazy he made that character and how perfect he ended up making that character he was exactly the, the, the villain that he needed for that film to be successful. And it's it's still one of the greatest films ever made. Um, and then for number one, talking about greatest films ever made, the first two Godfathers are both perfect films. Um, there's, I don't think there's a single moment in either film that should be changed. I think it's two of, you know, there aren't that many films that you can consider flawless. I think both are flawless films. And, Al Pacino is one of the main reasons for that. His performance in the first film to go from just this young, smart, aspiring, you know, maybe future senator, you know, kid who ends up becoming as evil as anyone has ever been and to just literally kill everyone who could possibly challenge uh, his family for the throne, essentially, um, because they had the, the audacity to cross his family um, is just one of the most incredible transformations we've ever seen in film. And then to see it develop even further in Godfather 2, I think is what just takes it, it takes him beyond everybody else who's ever been created. Um, I think what they did in Godfather 2 is what most actors dream of to have that kind of an arc of, uh, to take a, a character that m- make them so complicated to go from some, someone who's doesn't want to be part of this world to completely take over this world and to have someone do that over the course of two films, um, is, is incredible. And Al Pacino is, you know, a a gifted actor who even at a young age was able to portray that, you know, as perfectly as you possibly can. And, you know, just the, 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 I can't get over the fact, the, the fact that he killed his brother and the the way he killed his brother, the way he killed his enemies, the, the way he went about his business, how he made everything about it's just business, the cold-bloodedness of it, it goes to exactly what you were talking about, Ray, as far as what Michael Myers' mentality is, what the Joker's mentality is. Michael Corleone, to me, is equally as evil Is that he, in, in that he's justifying his evil in his mind. And it's actually just as bad as the rationale that Michael Myers is giving for himself to kill the people he's killing or the Joker to kill the people he's killing and why it's actually just as bad. And the fact that he probably even knows it, but he also knows that he's not going to stop himself from doing it is to me what kind of puts him at at the top. So, um, you know, if, if nothing else, it might just be the best acting performance on my list, even more so than whether he's the best villain ever. But um, for me, that also is what makes him the best villain ever.
0: So a couple of interesting things on these lists that I wanted to point out as I'm keeping track of all these. Joker and Vader made it into everyone's Mount Rushmore, just in different orders, which I thought was interesting. Uh, Michael Myers made it into two, Raymond and I. Hannibal Lecter made it into two, Candlestick Will and I. I thought that was really interesting. And then Michael Michael Corleone only made it on one list, uh, which was your list. And, uh, I mean, he easily could have been on any of these lists. Um, I always see him as the protagonist, but he is a villain. Even though, I mean, he may be the protagonist. I mean, he is the quintessential definition of a fucking villain. (laughs) He's totally a villain. Well, I
2: think that's also why it's easy to leave him off a list like this. Because he absolutely is looked at as the protagonist in the first film. Yeah, um, and, and there's no and, rule that says the protagonist has to be a good person.
1: And yeah, he doesn't he wants nothing to do with the family business in the beginning.
2: Right, exactly. And and he, you could argue he's even the protagonist in the second film, despite what he's doing, and you know, being the antihero, you know, and being that, you know, just you know, the you, know, you we see it all all the time. And whether it's a TV show like The Shield or or, or The Wire or something like that, I mean, you have these antiheroes who. You know, they're technically the protagonist, but the things they do are actually is just as evil as any villain. Um, and so it's easy to leave him off a list like this because we don't look at him as a the typical villain. But if we're talking about the diabolical way about which a character goes about his business and the rationale behind it, he's as villainous as we've ever seen on film. So I think it just, it just comes down to per, the perception that we have of the character and the character arc. Because you absolutely can justify him as both the protagonist and the antagonist, depending on your perspective and depending on which film you're talking about. Because he's absolutely viewed as the protagonist in the first film, especially. Yeah.
0: Yeah, really good list, guys. Excellent, excellent lists. Uh, That was pretty dope. I realized, and I was trying, I didn't think it would happen. I don't know about your guys' lists, um, um, but I, I realized on mine, my top four... My Mount Rushmore is all made up of number ones from every other list. I didn't even do that on purpose. I didn't even realize that. Michael Myers was for the horror film. Hannibal Lecter was for action. Joker for superhero. Darth Vader for sci-fi fantasy. So I actually and ended up being the number one guys for all those lists. Ended up being the Mount Rushmore. I didn't realize that till right now. What about you, Raymond? How close does your Mount Rushmore come
1: to your number one guys? Well... In Michael Myers is number one in the last series I did. Vader's number one in the sci-fi category. And Joker's number one in the villain. Although in, in the villain one I had Walking Phoenix at number two and Heath Ledger at number one. Magneto was number three and Jack Nicholson's Joker was number four. Mm. And then what about you? And Pre- Predator and Xenomorph were two and three in... Uh, sci-fi and then the thing in the werewolf from american Werewolf in london were two and be in horror nice
0: what about you candlestick will how close how close is your mount rushmore to the number ones on your final lists of the previous rounds
2: all my number ones made my list but killmonger i dropped the number nine and white people from get out i dropped the number six um and then uh corleone and Lecter were the top two in my um In on this list and the top two in my action movie villain list, um, although you can always argue that Lecter could be just as easily horror, and then, uh, and then you know, like I said, uh, Vader was number one on your sci fi fantasy,
0: wasn't he? Didn't we all have Vader?
2: Yes, and said he was number four on this one, so
0: yes, so nice. So, same with you, pretty close. Um, a lot of these, real obviously, are Mount Rushmore's. All really close to reflecting, if not completely reflecting, number ones on previous lists. Good stuff, guys. Uh, what is your personal top 11 villains list of all time, Gold Cast Empire? Let us know. Reach out to us on social media, any of our various platforms, and let us know who you think are the number one villains for your list and who do you disagree with do you who would be your number one was were any of us completely off were you like oh my god this is the dumbest list ever you guys all forgot about this guy let us know we all oh, know bring the it hella good at that yeah bring it bring it everyone knows everyone's <laughs> hella good at that at Twitter. you guys are hella good at that on twitter so let us know somewhere online that's what and, this list
2: is that's what these lists are all about is here's ours now tell us where we're wrong and, and exactly and, and give us and give us some good reasons so we can agree with you you know what exactly. I, mean? I, I think that's the thing is that when you guys explain your rationales, it's like you're not wrong. You know, it's like I, I'm not going to sit here and say Corleone's got to be your number one. You know, just like some, just like you were saying, Rudy, you had different number ones as we were talking. You know, yeah. it's like th- these are all subjective lists on purpose, but they're also they're they're also constantly changing. You know, if if you go right now and watch, uh, you know, um, Silence of the Lambs again. You might be like, you know what? No, he's number one. That was just, that was too dope. And then you go watch, you know, the, the, you know, one of the, one of the Joker performances and you're like, no, mind. That was, that was too good. You know, sometimes it's like, you know, some recency bias. Sometimes it's just what film did you fall in love with at at a certain time in your life. It's, you know, it all, it all depends on, on how you viewed it and how many times you've seen it. You know, it's, it's certainly easier to put someone high on a list if it's a movie you've seen a hundred times versus a movie you saw once and, and never went back to. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. Um,
0: it is very subjective. And, and yeah, and I'll say this. Hannibal Lecter spent a long time sitting at that number one spot for me when I wrote this list out. He, he did. He spent a long time up there uh, because of just how iconic that performance was. But let us know, Goldcast Empire. We'll be back next week with more sports news as we round out closer and closer to the beginning of the NBA season. And of course, 49ers. MLB if we even have MLB I don't know if we're going to that's a subject for another podcast but we will be back soon and so concludes another edition of the gold cast we are the voice of the bay I'm your host Rudy Salisa third and with me is my brother my co-host
1: Raymond Salisa first baby and our esteemed co hosts
2: Candle stick
0: will
1: yes. yeah boom
0: Yes. we'll see you next time same gold cast time same gold cast
2: chest this, this is the gold cast